The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. you're free happy friday thank god it is friday i'm leslie marshall welcome welcome back only true democracy in talk radio of for and by you the people in this hour we have a great guest joining us for the entire hour but we do welcome and we definitely invite you to call with your questions your opinions your comments and your concerns way to do that 888-6-LESLIE 888-653-7543 that is the number more than a pleasure to have on the program mike wright Mike is Director of Health, Safety, and Environment for the USW, the United Steelworkers. He's also an expert in workplace safety. He's a former member of the Department of Labor's National Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health and the EPA's Clean Air Act Advisory Committee. He's also a current member of the NIOSH's Mine Health Research Advisory Committee. And today, it marks the third time Mike has joined us for Workers' Memorial Day. He's been with us in 2014 and also last year in 2016. More than a pleasure to have Mike Wright back on the show. We've got to have you on more than just on uh, Workers' Memorial Day. But today is Workers' Memorial Day. Mike, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Tell folks who weren't listening last year or a couple of years prior um, about what Workers' Memorial Day actually is. Sure, Leslie. And let me say it's always an honor to be on your show, and I, I appreciate your saying it's more than a pleasure because today – Pleasure is maybe a, a word that isn't quite adequate because it's a day on which we remember workers who have lost their lives either in the workplace or as a result of their job. Um, we started this about 30 years ago when we when we knew that that because safety and health is such a human issue because we lose people in the workplace that we ought to set aside a day when we. Um, do two things. One is to remember those we've lost, and the other is to rededicate ourselves to to creating a world in which those kind of tragedies don't occur. Um, Mother Jones, the great labor leader, I think said it best. She said, um, mourn the dead, but fight like hell for the living. And that's what Workers' Memorial Day is all about. I don't think people realize, and I have to say, I didn't even, I knew that people lost their lives on the job, Uh, people that, you know, work in uh, manufacturing uh, jobs, people who work in these blue-collar jobs and, you know, work with their hands and are dealing with uh, very heavy and often dangerous uh, machinery. Um, But Leo Girard, president of the USW, uh, wrote a great blog entitled The Price for Killing Workers Must Be Prison. And he started his piece with every 12 days, a member of the United Steelworkers, USW, or one of their non-union co-workers is killed on the job every 12 days. And he talks about it being that way for years. Now, he, he, is, he is talking about working in the steel industry. If we just expand that to the other areas of, of manufacturing uh, nationwide, these are incredibly high numbers that are obviously avoidable. Well, it's one it's one member of our of our union or or a coworker every twelve days. But but if you look at the statistics nationwide for all unions and, and non-union workers, it's it's a worker 
um, about every two hours, a little less than two hours. So the number of people who we lose every year from, from just traumatic injuries in the workplace is enormous. In, in 2015, the last, the last year for which the Bureau of Labor Statistics has, has numbers, um, 4,836 workers lost their lives in workplace accidents. But we know statistically that for every worker who dies in an accident, there are eight to 10 who die from the long-term effects of occupational disease. We often don't know their names because disease from, from work, for the most part, looks just like other kinds of diseases. But we know from, from studies that, that that number is pretty accurate. So, so we're talking about, you know, 4,800 to 5,000 workers from, from traumatic injury, but 50,000, 50,000 every year from workplace disease. Those numbers are enormous. And when we look at, as Leo wrote in his blog, about these deaths and the type of deaths, they're horrible deaths, workers crushed by massive machinery, drowning in vats of chemicals, poisoned by toxic gas, burned by molten metal, and there's just, what, what happens, Mike? There isn't prison. Isn't the company just required to pay a, a, a fine, which is basically meaningless and, and quite frankly, to me, um, is spitting on the graves of these workers? Yeah, actually, the laws that, that the, the federal laws about criminal sanctions are actually insulting. Um, under the OSHA law, if a employer commits a deliberate, willful, knowing violation of a specific safety and health standard, and that violation leads to the death of a worker, that employer can go to jail. Um, but the maximum penalty under OSHA is six months, six months, um, for, for a willful act that kills a worker. By comparison, the penalty for, and this is a real federal law, the penalty for, for harassing a wild burrow on federal land is five years. Now, you know, I got nothing against wild burrows, but when the serenity of a burrow is worth five years, and the life of a worker is, is worth six months. What, what message are we sending to our nation's workers? I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, one employee killed on the job every other hour, Leo's blog says, 12 a day, to your point. I also want to talk about the fact that th these are not all accidents, right? I, I mean, aren't these often preventable tragedies, avoidable uh, tragedies? These are almost all avoidable tragedies. Um, you know, we my my department um, spends a lot of time investigating these these um, these accidents or whatever you want to call them, and in in almost every case we can find something that that should have given people warning, something that that the employer just absolutely neglected to fix. Um, we often find working conditions that people had complained about. Um, occasionally, we find a worker who, who was ordered to do a dangerous job, um, you know, protested doing it, was told he or she would be fired if they didn't do it. And so they went ahead, you know, wanting to feed their families, and they died. Um, that, that's the kind of thing we find so often that, that, um, that virtually all of these were foreseeable and were preventable. 
I also um, want to talk about something that the USW that you guys are doing that, that I think is great and it is looking at, well, what do some other countries do, like Canada, for example? Um, and I know that the USW is seeking here in the United States what workers in Canada actually already have in place uh, to prevent uh, these deaths. Can you tell us about uh, that law, a law that holds supervisors and corporate officials criminally accountable and actually exacting serious prison sentences when workers die on the job? That's done with our neighbor, our border uh, to the north, Canada. Yeah, um, a quarter century ago, there was a there was a terrible mine accident um, at a place called the Westray Mine in Nova Scotia. Uh, we th- that mine was non-union, but we were in the middle of an organizing campaign. The mine was newly opened. Uh, we were organizing the workers. One of their big concerns was safety, uh, and and sadly enough, we did not complete that campaign um, before the mine blew up. Um, we're confident we would have won the election. We had widespread support. An election was, I think, scheduled. But um, but the mine blew up before that could happen. Ironically, that mine had been given an award, This one of these meaningless pat-on-the-back awards from a Canadian safety association as the safest mine in Canada. And then it blew up and killed 26 workers. Um, when, when we looked, we, we decided that even though we we were not the union because uh, we hadn't won the campaign uh, that we had a responsibility to those folks we we knew we would never collect any dues that we, we didn't care but we 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 did everything we could to assist their families um, to, to get them the benefits that they were entitled to but also to look at what happened in that accident and we and the Canadian governments involved um, really determined that there was really gross negligence on the part of the mine operators. But the problem was there was no law allowing them to be charged for that. And so they basically got away scot-free. We, we, um, we worked and we agitated for more than a decade to get a law that's called the Westray Law, which, um, which is, and it's a federal law, but it requires provinces to set up um, in their own criminal codes a way to, um, to sanction to, um, to, to punish uh, mine operators, other employers for acts like those that led to the Westray disaster. Um, we worked very hard for that law. And so, so that exists now. It hasn't been used enough. We're still fighting to see that it gets used. But, um, but at least it's on the books. And at least we've told workers their lives mean something. And when you know, their life is taken by, by gross negligence, that there's a consequence for that. Uh, so we've got that in Canada. We are we, we would we are trying to get that in the U.S. It'll be a long fight, given the political control in Washington now. But we will win it someday. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of these corporations and the precautions that they could take to avert these deaths in the workplace. And quite frankly, while. The way things are in Canada is quite different as they stand here in the United States. It basically gives the corporations a green light to not care. We'll be back with our guest and with you right after this. Questions or comments, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Mike Wright is Director of Health, Safety, and Environment for the USW. Follow them. On Twitter, at Steelworkers, the USW, and President Gerard, at USW Blogger, the website for the USW, to find out more. 
in the break and between our conversation is usw.org. We'll be back to talk more on this Workers' Memorial Day observed every year on the 20th of April, a day to honor those workers who have died on the job. We're doing that here today on the Leslie Marshall Show. We're glad you're with us for this conversation. We'll be back. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. This is a day where people remember the workers that have lost their lives on the job. And as you've heard from our conversation thus far, it is far, far, far too many. Um, Mike, thank you for holding. Welcome back. In the United States, although corporations can take precautions to avert workplace deaths, often they don't because don't managers and corporations know that if workers are killed, there isn't a penalty. That penalty is usually just a small fine, unlike uh, Canada. Um, and you talked about the 25th anniversary of the incident that led Canada to establish the federal corporate criminal accountability um, about the Westray uh, coal mine disaster that killed 26 workers. Um, It's almost like it's just the cost of doing business if a worker loses their lives in the United States. I think that's right. Let me give you one other example of how, how inadequate federal law is. When it comes to criminal sanctions, um, and this is a mining, a mining, another mining disaster, but this time in the U.S., you may remember, um, your listeners may remember that in 2010 there was the worst mine tragedy in the U.S. in recent years, when I believe 29 coal miners lost their lives at a mine called the Upper Big Branch. Um, during the investigation, it turned out that um, the company had committed all kinds of legal violations. They had for example, um, when, a, when a mine safety and health inspector showed up at the work site, they had quickly shut everything down and changed everything and tried to keep him or her out of the working areas. They had um, deliberately ignored mine safety laws. Um, mining in the U.S. is, is uh, mine safety is regulated not by OSHA but by a different a different organization that exists solely for mines called the Mine Safety and Health Administration. Its regulations are a little better. And um, and mine operators can go to jail for violating MSHA requirements in a way that leads to a death. The, the, the chief mine operator for that company was a guy named Don Blankenship. And he was actually charged with three separate crimes by the federal government. One was um, defrauding investors because he lied to investors about the possibility of a serious accident in his mines. A second was lying to federal investigators, which he did during the course of the investigation. And a third was committing the kind of violations that led to the deaths of 29 people. 
Um, he was found innocent on the first two charges, and I, you know, that's the jury system. That's the way democracy works. He was convicted on the third. The, the important lesson, though, is, is what are the sentences he could have received? For defrauding investors, had he been convicted, he could have been sentenced to 30 years in prison, 30 years. For lying to an inspector, he could have been sentenced to five. For committing the violations that got 29 people killed, he was sentenced to the maximum sentence that he could have been for that violation, one year in prison, one year. Um, and so we live in a society where, where you know, defrauding investors counts 30 times more than killing almost 30 workers. That's, that's got to change. I know that when the USW with, with Canada pressed for criminal uh, charges, um, and, 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 you, and you talk about this uh, situation, that, that took a decade to come about, right? That, that legislation in Canada, am I correct in that? The legislation took a little more than a decade, but, but the, the actual implementation of it took almost another decade because um, for a long time, uh, federal, I'm sorry, uh, for a long time, provincial prosecutors simply ignored it. So we had to have a whole separate second campaign in Canada to get the law enforced. And, you know, can you tell us the differences since the law has been enforced and, and you know, you guys continue there at the USW to have fought for this in Canada? Well, there have been a couple of prosecutions under the law. They've been successful. Um, there have been one or two unsuccessful ones, and that's the way criminal law works. Sometimes, you know, you get a conviction, sometimes you don't. But I think the successful convictions have sent a message to employers across Canada that, that, that you, you ignore... You ignore safety and health at your peril. That if you if you kill a worker um, through 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 negligence, um, then you won't just have to pay a fine. You can't just write that off your taxes. Uh, you may go to jail, and it may be for a substantial amount of time. And that I think has made a difference. And it should be. It should be. I mean, it's, it's just just uh, terrible. You know, I could go up somebody punch them in the face on the street and probably face more time than some of these corporations or any of their management do when somebody loses their life on the job. We'll be back with Mike Wright, Director of Health, Safety, and Environment for the USW. And like I said, follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow President Gerard at USW Blogger. The website is USW.org. We'll continue our conversation here on Workers Memorial Day right after this. Memorial Day. Mike, thank you for holding and uh, welcome back. The AFL-CIO, which is also a union like the USW, um, has put out some stats and they say that more than 553,000 workers can now say that their lives have been saved since the passage of the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970. And that act promised workers in the United States the right to a safe job. 
Um, first of all, can you talk to us uh, a little bit about this act in 1970 and, and why haven't we had anything since uh, 1970? Well, we had one thing since 1970, and that is the Mine Safety Act, which was 1977, and that's kind of why it's a better act. But um, but since then, there have been no no large improvements in um, in the kind of laws that that protect workers. As a matter of fact, we've had to fight off several attempts by primarily Republicans to get rid of OSHA altogether. And you know, the, the OSHA law was was terrific back in 1970. It was a great it was a great step forward, but it's but it's really got some flaws, things that we've got to correct. Let me give you one example. Um, much as we would like to punish people who, whose willful acts kill a worker, we would much more like to prevent those deaths in the first place. Unfortunately, OSHA inspectors have less power than, than, um, than inspectors for almost any other agency, uh, state, federal, or even, even municipal. If an ocean inspector walks into a plant and sees um, sees a, a critical hazard that could kill a worker, in almost every case, OSHA is powerless to do anything about it except cite the company. Um, the company can then appeal, and they can take that appeal first through quasi-judicial processes within the Department of Labor, and then they can go to the federal courts, um, including to the Supreme Court. And the real tragedy is they don't have to do anything to fix that hazard until they've exhausted every one of their appeals. That process can take years. I think the record, this was one of our cases, took 17 years before it was resolved. And the company had no legal obligation to fix the problem at, at any time during that period. Can you imagine what the public would think if the Federal Aviation Authority couldn't ground a dangerous airplane um, a dangerous commercial jet with known flaws uh, until the company had exhausted years and years of appeal. If the Food and Drug Administration couldn't take a dangerous drug off the market um, until the company had exhausted all of its appeals, we wouldn't stand for that for 10 seconds. And yet that's the way it works uh, for OSHA. In fact, uh, a restaurant inspector um, working for a city has more power to close a dangerous situation than an OSHA inspector does. And that's got to be fixed. No question about that. I, I want to talk also about, you know, a comment that you made regarding uh, politics and the changing political landscape. Um, certainly during the Obama administration, we saw a very strong track record on worker safety and on health uh, enforcements that were strengthened. Um, and that there were key safety and health standards that were issued improving uh, protections, uh, anti-retaliation protections, and uh, other rights for workers. And, and you talked about this shift now under President Trump because the political landscape, not just with President Trump, but Republicans controlling both the House and the Senate, uh, the, and certainly the appointment of such individuals um, by a President Trump and his, can, can, his cabinet, uh, this has been a dramatic uh, shift. And, and I, I'd like you to speak to the gains that were made during the Obama administration that are currently threatened under the Trump administration. Well, let me, let me explain what, what what the Trump administration and the Congress have done so far and, and how those relate to what, uh, what the Obama administration did. In the Obama administration, one of the things that we achieved was a rule that allowed the federal government to take into account the safety records 
of federal contractors. So a contractor with a terrible safety record could be denied future contracts. Um, that's a pretty powerful tool. And one of the first things that the Congress did was use a little-known law called the Congressional Review Act, which allows Congress to disapprove a new regulation um, by a simple majority vote of both houses. Uh, and they disapprove that, that regulation, so that's off the books. Um, a regulation that was meant to, um, to, to fix a court decision. There had been a, this is complicated, but there had been a court decision that basically stripped away OSHA's rights to, um, to require companies to keep accurate records of workplace injuries and illnesses. Um, a, a court had made a decision based on kind of narrow technical grounds. The court indicated that OSHA could fix that um, by changing the way that it kind of described this, this standard. OSHA did that, issued a rule doing that. We're confident that would have been acceptable to the court. But in fact, the Congress wiped it out. Um, more recently, and, and, and again, that, that was a rule promulgated by the, by the Obama administration, uh, more recently, one of the new standards we achieved under, under Obama was a standard for what's called crystalline silica, which is sand, basically. Sand on the beach isn't, isn't any kind of hazard. But if it's very finely divided so that it becomes a, a, a fine dust, it can cause a disease called silicosis. And we've known about that for centuries. Um, OSHA, OSHA put into effect a new rule for silica. Uh, they couldn't use the Congressional Review Act against that because the, that has to be done within a certain amount of time. But what OSHA has done now is they have said, yeah, this rule's in effect, but we're not going to enforce it in the construction industry. Um, and so we are doing everything we can to try to overturn that. And the latest thing, which happened um, only today on Workers' Memorial Day, OSHA announced through the Office of Management and Budget that they were going to reconsider and probably pull back um, new standards for a very toxic metal called beryllium. Those standards are expected to save, when they're fully implemented, 94 lives a year. And yet the Labor Department has taken the first steps toward potentially wiping them out. It's interesting because President Trump claims to be, especially uh, in one industry, coal mining, right? You had talked about uh, miners yeah. in Canada, um, you know, uh, all for them and, you know, on board for them. And definitely these uh, types of deregulation uh, for the future and undoing everything that the last administration, the Obama administration has done, uh, doesn't help workers in any industry, uh, mi mining as well. And I want to speak about some of those stats because they just, they're just alarming. Um, in 2015, just two years ago, and we know we only have a year or two uh, back to, uh, you know, we don't have present day what's going on at this moment. Uh, but these stats remain unchanged, and this is what bothers me. I mean, year to year, we should see progress and less people losing their lives on the job. Uh, 4,836 workers killed on the job in the United States, and that fat fatal injury rate is 3.4 per 100,000 workers. That, that's remained the same, it seems, year after year. An estimated 50 to 60,000 workers died from occupational diseases. 150 workers died each day from hazardous working conditions, and nearly 3.7 million work-related injuries and illnesses reported. Um, Underreporting is also widespread. I mean, the true toll is uh, 7.4 million to 11.1 million injuries uh, each year. And we can talk about the state breakdown. Mike, why is there such underreporting? 
Well, well, let me put it this way: many employers are 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 perfectly honest, want to do a good job, and report their injuries and illnesses accurately. But there are all too many um, that that like to play games. It's it, it, it's rare that they will will deliberately lie on a illness and accident reporting form. Um, they do sometimes. But more often what they will do is they will try to prevent workers from reporting the injury or illness in the first place. Now, if somebody is killed in the workplace or if somebody is, you know, loses an arm or has to be rushed to the hospital, it's pretty hard to avoid reporting that. But, but the more minor injuries, if they can persuade a worker not to report it, uh, to go home and get treated by their personal physician, um, then they, you know, then they can keep that off the books, and it's, and they claim it's not their fault. Now they all have rules that say you've got to report injuries, but they, but they turn a blind eye when a worker doesn't. And some of the ways they do that are they send people a message that says if you are injured in the plant, and you report it, we will find a way to punish you. We'll make up a work rule. So, for example, we've seen people punished for, um, for insufficient attention to the task, right, or for, um, for eyes not on task, or for lack of situational awareness. Uh, we had one guy written up because he was stung by a bee. He went in and reported that, and they said that the infraction he committed was not being sufficiently aware of the bee, right? And eventually workers learn, um, let's, you know, we're, we're better off not just not reporting it. We've even got a name for that. It's called the bloody pocket syndrome. If wow. you, uh, if you, you know, if you, if you cut your hand, um, put it in your pocket, wrap it in a shop rag, oh, go God. home and get it treated at home. And, 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 and that really leads to, th- to three, to, to, to really three evils. One is that people don't get the treat they need at the time they first need it. Second, of course, one of the ways we find out about what needs to be fixed in the workplace is is knowing what's getting people injured. So we never get that information. And third, it transfers people onto an, essentially away from workers' compensation and onto an already overburdened healthcare system. So it's an evil all around, but um, too many employers do it to avoid having to report their injuries and illnesses. States that have the highest fatality uh, rates are North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana. Interestingly enough, they all went to Trump in the election. And Latino and immigrant workers continue to be at a higher risk uh, than other workers. Um, Why do you think that is among that demographic? Well, let's talk about North Dakota for a minute. I mean, North Dakota is, is in the middle of a or, or has been in the middle of a major boom. It's it's less now than it was in 2015 when we had the data. When we when we got the data, we're currently using. But um, but it was it's it's been a real wild west atmosphere out there. So for example, um, we've had a lot of people who have been a, a number of people who have been killed uh, because they're driving these trucks that are uh, are carrying fracked oil, and uh, the, the trucks are so inadequate that uh, to, to figure out how much oil is in the truck, workers are, are required to get up on top of the truck, pop the lid off, and basically drop a weight on a string into the oil. Now, hydrocarbon vapors, especially from those operations, can be lethal. And so workers have died by 
essentially inhaling what has come out of those out of those open open systems um, in, in doing this operation and and uh, there there are really no federal safety regulations for for fracking in general for this kind of this kind of operation so you know workers have have died doing it Hispanic workers often get um, the worst the worst jobs they're often employed as day laborers uh, they uh, you know far too many people who are low income or who are who are essentially immigrants um, get the worst jobs in society and they're the most dangerous jobs so it's not surprising that they suffer injury and illness at a higher rate than do other workers we're going to take a break. We're going to be back, and we're going to talk more um, about this uh, with our guest in just one more segment after the break. If you have a question, a comment, maybe a situation you'd like to share or something that you'd like to ask Mike Wright, Director of Health, Safety, and Environment for the USW on this Workers' Memorial Day, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Back with Mike, back with you after this. During the break, check out the website for the USW, USW.org. Follow them on Twitter, the USW handle, at Steelworkers, and President Leo Gerard at USW Blogger. More after this. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Today is Workers' Memorial Day. This is a day where we honor and remember workers that have died. But the sad thing is, folks, they have died from preventable work-related injuries and illnesses, and they continue to die every day in the United States. According to a report released by the AFL-CIO, 4,836 workers died due to workplace injuries, and another 50 to 60,000 died from the occupational diseases that they get from being in the workplace. And the number of immigrant workers killed on the job reached nearly a 10-year high. We're talking with Mike Wright, Director of Health, Safety, and Environment for the USW. Thank you for holding, Mike. Welcome back. Let's take some calls. And uh, we started out on uh, Line 3 in Albuquerque, New Mexico with Suzanne. Suzanne, question or comment for our guest? Sure. This is a question for Mike, and uh, this is such a great discussion um, I like to listen to your show, Leslie, because you do cover things that aren't being covered on other shows. Uh, Mike, um, listening to the, some of the horror stories about uh, worker protections, I was wondering if, any, if there are any states you've found that are either pushing or have passed a bill that tends to ameliorate some of these problems that you've referenced. That's a really good question, and, and let me... Uh... Let me tell you the situation. Um, the, the federal OSHA law allows states to set up their own OSHA program. Um, and when they do that, the feds kind of pull back. And they monitor the program from afar, but, but there's no, it, it's not legal to have both a federal and a state program at the same time. Now, 26 states have opted, though, to set up their own program and not to have the federal program. In, I, I, I'm sorry to say, in most cases, um, the states do a worse job. 
but in a couple of cases they do a much better job. One of those, one of the examples is, for example, California, which um, which not only sets its own standards, which have to be as good or better than the federal standards, and many of them are better, um, and their their enforcement is is usually better. Uh, so so that's a splendid example of a state that really does a good job. And another is the state of Washington, which um, which uh, which also has a very strong OSHA program. Um, most of those. It's interesting that both those states have been led by Democrats um, who believe in safety and health and who want to do a good job. Many other states have state plans, and they don't do as good a job, but those two are really outstanding. Uh, thank you uh, for that, caller. Let's take another on line two. Uh, let's go to Daily Dave in Buffalo, New York. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Good afternoon. Question or comment for our guest? Hi, Leslie. Thank you very much. Hi, Mr. Wright. Um, tuned in a little late today. I'm sorry if it's redundant, but... Um, I spent several years as a, uh, a member of the painters' union, and in industrial work, whenever we got to a job site, there was at least five hours of training, because a lot of these places were extremely hazardous work environments. In addition to that, just the union in general, you had a three- or four-year apprenticeship, and then either a 10-hour or a 20-hour OSHA safety class required just to maintain uh, your status in the union and then there you could upgrade that for example to learn to use you know mechanized lifts and so forth and that required another 10 or 12 hours of training and i don't think maybe you know it's overgeneralized, but i don't think any of that is going to be found generally speaking out in just commercial out in uh in ramshackle let's say uh situations uh your opinion on that yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and let me say you're you're lucky to have been a to 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 have been a member of a union and a union that cares that much about safety and health. Um, we've we've had a very good relationship with the, with the painters. Painters work in a lot of our plants, um, and we know the we know the quality of the of the kind of training they get. There's no federal requirement for the most part that people get that kind of training. There are some federal standards that require training in things like operating forklifts and cranes, but but not to the extent that, that you've described. You really need a strong union for that. Um, one of the things, and, and let me say, one of the ways that training gets financed is through federal OSHA grants. There's, a, there's an OSHA program um, for training, you know, primarily low-income workers uh, called the Susan Harwood Grants after a OSHA employee who was actually killed, killed at work. Um, and that, that grant program provides um, money so that unions and nonprofits can um, provide worker training. Uh, one of the things that the Trump budget wants to zero out are those grants. Just terrible. A couple of other things. Today is Workers Memorial Day. It's not just national, it's international. And uh, uh, we had somebody on Twitter, uh, Bob Kincaid, that said, and then if, if you survive, Republicans can steal your pension and health care as well. Uh, just one sentence, uh, Mike, uh, that you'd like to leave us with? Well, I appreciate the comment that Workers Memorial Day is, is really these days, a, a, a day that we celebrate worldwide. We, there are Workers' Memorial Day events going on in more than 70 countries around the world. And as, as a member of, a, of, of the labor movement, and I think we're all members of the labor movement in some way, um, we need to understand, we need to recognize that, that workers worldwide are our brothers and sisters as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. How to show up with Coca-Cola Energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. 
Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.